0: If we're not challenging ourselves and challenging the value that we're adding, I don't think we're making the, the most of our impact and being bringing our best selves to work every single day. So I do like to test and challenge, but in a kind and caring way.
1: Today we're joined by Sarah Walker who is the HR Director at BWB Consulting. This is a fascinating conversation where we find out about the role that kindness plays in their business, how they've created bespoke career paths for their employees, and also why BWB is a great place to work while simultaneously not being for everybody. Enjoy the episode. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the Happy Workplace Project today. Really excited by this conversation today. I know that you're currently the HR Director at BWB Consulting, but your background obviously stems a whole range of sectors, including finance, technology, leasing, manufacturing and engineering. So I wondered if you could start by giving us some insight into who BWB are and uh, the role that you're doing there.
0: Yes, um, thank you for having me as well No worries. Um, BWB are a design, engineering and environmental organisation and company. We work across the UK and we've also got some international projects as well.
1: Fantastic. Could you tell us a bit about the culture of the organisation? How would you describe it?
0: Yeah, really focused on innovation, collaboration, empowerment. We've got seven values. They're absolutely (coughs) threaded through everything we do. We're referencing them, we're making decisions based on them. Before we make a decision, we almost revert back to our values and think, is this really upholding our values in a true, genuine and compassionate way? that threaded in everything.
1: You also within your organisation talk a lot about bespoke career development. So what does that mean and how do you make that live?
0: We don't do what you would typically call an appraisal at BWB. We kind of scrapped the traditional appraisal a couple of years ago now and we do what we call connect sessions. So as part of that, we reflect, we plan and we develop and that creates an individualised plan for that person. And then following that, we also do, um, we complete a skills matrix for every single individual and that highlights to us where the gaps are in their learning and the development and their career and what gaps we need to plug. And we're working to a new concept now at BWB where we're working to the aim of everybody having what we'd call a number two. So a deputy or a second in command and focusing on our early careers cohort, the strategy is to very much feed the early careers hopper so constantly coming through the business will be apprentices and graduates and then with the concept of everyone having a number two as they move up through the ranks so we've got our early careers cohort on that journey throughout the whole business of they can see where their career move is and their next step and their career path um so with f1 having a number two we're basically creating a bespoke plan for every single person in the business.
1: I love that, I can really relate to that as well, because if I think about us as a business at McEldowie, we talk a lot about people being the best version of themselves. Uh, And and similarly, we're quite an entrepreneurial business, so we do our very best to build bespoke frameworks for people to uh, create the jobs that will allow them to perform at the top of their envelope and achieve the results that are required. and at the, I think the other example that springs to mind as well is I was listening to a podcast a little while ago where Adam Peaty, swim coach, was talking about yeah. how she worked uh, a lot within the community over in Derby, um, putting on swim sessions for people. And her mantra was that everyone will go to their own Olympics. Yeah. And that version of their own Olympics was either that they might go to, for example, the county trials. Or they might go on and achieve like PT has or sit somewhere in between. But it, again, comes back to that best version of you, bespokeness, et cetera. So I'm I'm assuming that's pretty powerful for retention as well, because as a recruiter, one of the things that we've seen, particularly post-COVID, although the trend was there preceding it, is the nature of the market being so talent short that actually the most forward-thinking organisations are now understanding the value of growing their own. Uh, both because it will help with the supply shortages but also from a retention perspective if people have career paths defined for them or they're able to define them themselves yeah. it gives them hope that they've got a future with that business so I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that.
0: Absolutely I, I agree they can see their their career paths their potentials their milestones and milestones and roughly kind of how long things take to happen, or when the next kind of development will be, and when it's being injected into them. Certainly for our early careers, so we're finding with our apprentices and graduates, they're screaming out for that um, journey of understanding what that journey will be and and where they can get to and what their potential is. So yeah, it's really important that I think that's defined for, for people, and they can they know what journey they're getting, and we absolutely. Know that certainly our early careers cohort, they are the future of BWBA, they are the future of this world. So, given them that commitment to actually, we want to invest in you as an individual and your career, we want to see you go places.
1: So, values are intertwined in everything that you guys do as an organization. I'm really interested to understand that with people that don't live the values, what the consequences are.
0: I'd say there's few of those actually in the business, and I'd I'd kind of link that back to our our work that we're doing around our EVP. And I describe personally, you you might not agree with this, but I describe our EVP as a little bit of a a shop window front. And as our candidates or potential candidates are browsing around um, of what kind of employee they want to go and work for and who they want to go and interview with, they'll be looking at our shop front window. And as they get through the, the, the doors of the shop and come in and have an interview with us, and as they browse around the store, they'll see actually whether BWB is for them or not and whether they think their values match our values and it's somewhere that they want to come and, and make home and kind of that is their next career move.
1: I think it's a great point that you make and it sounds to me like you are the beneficiary of being a transparent business because I think something that we've seen where, let's say the onboarding process goes wrong is when expectation doesn't meet reality. So businesses that spend a lot of time and effort on promoting a glossy, Instagrammable, let's say, exterior and not being open about the challenges that they're facing, the things that are broken and are hopefully being mended soon, the opportunities, the latent energy... Are where people come in and they say, this isn't what it f- I was told at interview, this isn't how it appeared yeah. to be. And I think it's so important to have that transparency and alignment because ultimately, if people come in and they have a good experience in the early part of their career, they make a commercial impact more quickly. They stay longer with the organization, customer satisfaction goes up and a whole load of other metrics. Sarah, could you tell us a bit about what you are doing in the DNI space at the moment and also how you're measuring the successes that you're having?
0: We're finding we're having better success and outcomes when they're linked to business goals. So for instance, it might be where we're attracting our pool of talent from and very much thinking about, we want to widen that pool of talent and attract more, diverse range of people from various walks and backgrounds in our communities and the world. So thinking about talent and attraction, so we're linking it to that space. And then also the retention of our people as well, so thinking about how we retain more of the ageing workforce or retain moms that are perhaps coming back into the workplace after periods of family-friendly leave. So just being focused on attaching our EDI goals to actually business goals. So talent and attraction, retention and engagement, we're finding that's where we're having kind of that key success for us. And thinking about the the measurables of that and delivering that.
1: Okay, so let's talk about you for a little bit now. Okay. I'm really interested to hear about how you would describe your leadership style.
0: I think I've got a few um, styles that kind of merge into one to create and piece me together. Quite a servant leadership style in terms of being quite humble and protective of the, of the HR team. They're a fantastic team a bunch of people, so I am very protective of them, but also key that I develop and grow them as, as individuals in the team and make sure they're adding as much value that they can possibly add and the same value that I want to be adding as well. I like to be quite visionary in where we're going and where we're thinking. So kind of set that pace for the team. Democratic style, a visionary style, but also a challenge as well. If we're not challenging ourselves and challenging the value that we're adding, I don't think we're making the, the most of our impact and being, bringing our best selves to work every single day. So I do like to test and challenge, but in a kind and caring way.
1: So it's, um, it's really interesting everything that you've said there, so I did a bit of detective work in okay. advance of this conversation and I had a, co- a, a conversation with one of your colleagues and the description actually aligns really closely with some of the things that you've said about your leadership style. So what was talked about was how protective you are of the team, how supportive you are of the team, how much they feel that you have got their back. Um, but also, I think the other thing that came through was a calmness that you bring to the team as well. So you were described as being like a swan at times where no matter what the pace of, uh, of the agenda, you will bring a sense of calm to the team. So with all of that in mind, I'm really interested to understand the role that psychological safety then plays mm-hmm. within the team, because um, it fe- feels to me or seems to me from that conversation that everybody feels that they are in a safe space. Yeah. And I'll, I can only assume, therefore, that that drives creativity and innovation, etc. But it'd be good to hear your thoughts on it.
0: Absolutely. And that creating that safe space, that psychological safe space is, is key for my team, but also the rest of the company and everyone that's at BWB. Um, we like to feel that we're, we're a family and we care for one another. But I think what's helped with creating that psychological safety and which ultimately gives creates that retention as well for people wanting to stay and wanting to engage with the business is that clear communication. I think communication underpins so much of what we do at BWB and is key to so many things.
1: That's that's an incredible point because I think one of the things that I've seen continually come through from engagement surveys when I speak to HR directors of different organisations is the frustration that employees generally have around communication. Yeah. You don't tell us enough, you tell us too much of the wrong stuff, you yeah. don't listen to what we say. And for you guys to have mastered that is in many ways probably a secret weapon to things like attraction and retention, yeah. especially when the market starts to realise it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's powerful.
0: The communication cycle for us has been key and we've
1: implemented what we
0: would define as a new communication start- cycle. And it really starts from kind of top down to the bottom, but it goes all the way back up again.
1: So you've got a, a position with your employees of being perceived as a listening organisation as much as anything else. Is yeah, that right? Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Our, our people are heard, we value their opinion, we actively home it out and seek it.
1: What would you describe as your non-negotiable behaviours and principles, and why are they important to you?
0: For me, it's honest communication accountability and responsibility and they're important to me because that's what makes a happy workplace for me and it makes me content at work and content in my life.
1: Brilliant. So you're still relatively early into your career but you've reached what might be classed as the pinnacle of of, um, the HR world of operating at, at HRD level. Could you tell us a bit about the cost of getting to that level in this space of time that you have?
0: Yeah, and I would say I'm aware I'm relatively early into my career, but I've worked really hard to propel it and I've kind of ran at it with pace. But yeah, when I think about what's, what I've sacrificed there, it's, it's time, it's trying to balance being a mom, being a wife, seeing friends and family. So yeah, time, sleep. Um, Sleep has definitely been compromised. Friends and family would question my sanity and go, why are you doing this? But I think it just comes back to, when I speak about time, it's how you use your time and using your time wisely and what you can achieve and accomplish within that time. And don't procrastinate is definitely something I had to had to learn the hard way, I think. It's about what you accomplish within that time and, yeah, don't put things off.
1: Done perfect beats perfect not done every day of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and being an, a perfectionist as well, it's hard to balance, yeah, not putting the right, put the right amount of balanced time into something. Yeah, and not letting your perfectionism trait kick in too much as well.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned friends and family asking you the question, why do you do it? Are you able to answer that question? Have you have you come to the, the realisation of why you sacrificed time, sleep and friends and family and everything else that you've just mentioned?
0: Always having that goal in mind. What is the end goal? What do I want to achieve? Where do I want to be? Yeah, it was having that always. That's what's driven me. That's been at the forefront of my mind. Um, I think I've been lucky in some respects to... reach as you say that the pinnacle of my career quite so rapidly but there was also that conscious effort to my foot was on the gas and I wanted to drive it hard and fast so yeah lucky but a conscious kind of decision and yeah
1: got it I guess what I'm thinking now is though would you do it again yes okay it was worth the sacrifice
0: absolutely I'd do it again yeah I probably would not procrastinate quite as much as I did on some things, but yeah, I would do it again.
1: What lessons has BWB learned from significant events of the last few years? So things that are coming to my mind would be COVID. What, um, what is it that you guys have learned and how has it changed the way you operate?
0: We've learned definitely open, honest communication is key. Feeling like we're all in this together. We're all one team and caring about individuals as individuals and as human beings and people. I think that that covers all of those kind of big changes that the world has gone through and we've gone through as a business as well, along with other organisations. COVID in particular, was one that we absolutely rallied around as a collective team of people and supported each other through kind of tough, very tough times. Only did we make our workforce agile and flexible overnight um, and got everyone working from home and and kept them moving and kept them going. But we didn't make a single redundancy through COVID either because we absolutely rallied around. We looked after each other. We all took the same kind of impact together as a team. We were in it together. And that was kind of the, the motto and message in there. So whilst we took temporary kind of Hits to salaries and you know forfeited certain things throughout those couple of years. We did that together, and that ultimately prevented any job losses, any redundancies, and we came out the other side even stronger.
1: That's superb to hear. How are you holding on to that feeling of being in it together, the togetherness, the kindness, um, particularly as the world has gone back to some form of normality, mm. and. I think what I've seen is that the, the caring nature of some organizations seems to have diminished somewhat, and it's back to BAU. Mm-hmm. So how have you held that as a business?
0: We really learned through COVID that well-being and looking after people's well-being was critically important. We literally checked in on every single person. We're currently at a headcount of 370 people that every single person got a check-in, and every single person was contacted to say, "Are you okay? What do you need? How can we help?" And we've followed through on that approach to looking after people, caring for them. Their well-being is hugely important to us, so much so that we've ramped up the, the wellness and the well-being offering. The strategy has completely changed, and we've added so much more to that well-being approach. We've got some fantastic partnerships in place. We've got wellbeing roadmaps that we deliver year in, year out now that on the set at the beginning of the year, there's monthly things that we've got defined throughout the whole year that we deliver and again hold ourselves accountable to. So yeah, that that well being arena definitely changed and we've continued to harness on that. Um, the well being offering at BWB is just it's threefold. It's never what it used to be. It's far better than it used to be. And it's I'm honoured to say it's the best offering I've ever been able to give an organization and people in, in all the different kind of organisations that I've had the pleasure of working at.
1: It's great to hear about everything that you've done from a well-being perspective. As somebody operating in a senior role, you're often looked at as a behavioural example. Mm-hmm. And therefore I'm interested to know how you manage your own well-being.
0: Good question, um, and I'll be honest in my answer, I've not always got it right. When we spoke earlier about time being sacrificed, I think your own well-being is also sacrificed and compromised sometimes, but I would say I've got that right balance now of managing my own well-being, And I do that through having my own, I call it me time, um, whether it's to go out for a run, whether it's to go and exercise, whether it's just to sit on the sofa and watch whatever TV series I fancy binging on. And having time with the children and family as well, really important. But yeah, having that that me time. And I make sure I've got time for that every single week. And sometimes it helps to have it throughout the week as well, not just saving it to the weekend, but sometimes having it in an evening as well, just to sit. And even if it is just scrolling through the phone or reading a book or watching that, That TV series, that kind of guilty kind of binge on something, it's making sure I do just stop and do what Sarah wants to do.
1: It sounds like you've had some form of enlightenment there, because I think a lot of what we see is that people talk about, uh, you know, being overworked and burning out. But I think a key component of that is very often that they're Mm under-recovered. So for you to be actually disciplined enough to plan in, scrolling time on the phone, reading time, having a cup of tea, watching mindless television, is actually really, really powerful to your ability then to be able to operate like a swan, as we said earlier in the conversation. So yeah, um, that to me, it it feels like you've you've sort of mastered both ends of it.
0: And I think that moment, as you call it, that moment of enlightenment, I think actually that was joining BWB, and the culture that they have is very much, what matters is your outputs, not how much time you're glued to your computer or you're in the office um, and your, your presence is there. It's, it's your outputs that matter um, and being able to switch off at the end of the day. And there's not a culture of emails pinging around all evening, all weekend, and you're constantly checking the work phone and having to feel like you, you need to be on hand. I'm there if anybody needs me, absolutely hands down, but there's not a culture of long hours or carrying on past, much past 5pm. Um, so actually that moment for me that's really helped me bring all of this into balance for myself is bwb what's
1: the greatest lesson you've learned in your career so far
0: i would say be happy that is key to success that happiness is key to yeah being successful and wanting to turn up and add value and be the best person you can be every single day day in day out i'd also say learning learning never stops and also Having a fantastic team of people around you and just having a fab team want to make as much impact in the world of HR and caring for people as much as I do. Yeah,
1: that's key. What subjects should we be teaching the next generation about at school?
0: I think financial well-being, stress management, the environment, the communities that we live in. And I say those because they're all things that we focus on as a business and that early careers cohort, they, they're really interested in that, but they're not getting taught that in the education system right now.
1: I'm I, I totally aligned on the things that you've said there. Yeah. What's your ultimate life goal?
0: I had a goal to run a marathon which I absolutely did. I ran Manchester Marathon. I can't say I'll do another, but that's that (laughs) life goal done. I wanted to reach the position of HR director and I've achieved that goal. And I wanted to do it in a propelled way and gain the exposure and experience to give me that the right, I wanted to set myself up in the right way to, to reach that goal at the right time. But yeah, I think I've successfully achieved that. Next goal, I'd love to be able to add value to the business at BWB in a different way and maybe reach the executive board level where you can. It's all about strategy. It's all about developing the the, the next generation and having more of a mentoring type of role to the business and, and the people that are coming through the ranks and the future BWB people and the future BWB CEO it would be great to be able to to mentor those people.
1: So you've mentioned a lot of extrinsic things there that have been achieved, you know um, running a marathon, buying a house, yeah. etc. But you also talked about something that's truly intrinsic, which is be happy. What measures are you taking to create that happiness and protect it?
0: I think it's having the balance now um, and the balance that I found at BWB allows me to to be Sarah the HR director at work and have my HR hat on but also be Sarah at home uh, mom mummy and operate in those two two spaces the emphasis that I've put on looking after me and my well-being both mentally and physically I think that's allowed me to find that happy space
1: I love it let's Take a forward view, so projecting over the next few decades. How do you want to be remembered?
0: Oh, Good question. I think kind and compassionate. I'd like people to say she made impact and adds value. And she created a HR team of absolute ninjas.
1: <laughs> ninjas, I like it. Brilliant. Sarah thanks for the great insights today we've now reached our quickfire round so the first Hi. question is what's something that you've achieved that you're proud of?
0: I think all my qualifications they were all done in an evening at night school
1: Wow! a long time alongside long time the time job a long time up, yeah. and how did you react to your greatest failure?
0: I cried <laughs> and then suddenly sort of dusted myself off and thought I'm going to make something of this opportunity
1: what's something you regret and you would have done differently
0: my degree i procrastinated a lot
1: okay what's the biggest challenge your business is facing right now
0: war on talent hyper competitive marketplace
1: what do you like most about yourself
0: i think my level of care and compassion for
1: people what's your biggest area of development
0: i think finding that balance between work and home and being able to switch off and that, that wellbeing piece.
1: Tell us about something that you're passionate about.
0: Oh, I love anything active. Exercise, uh, tough mudder. Yeah, anything, anything active, I'm all over it. And quite competitive secret.
1: <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: There's a few. Listen more than you speak set your own expectations in life and be kind always.
1: Love it. What's one book or podcast you'd recommend for our viewers and listeners?
0: Currently really enjoying Stephen Bartlett's podcast.
1: That's the diary of a CEO, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. brilliant. I agree. It's fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much for the insights today. It's been a great conversation and um, hopefully there's loads of value for for our, our listeners. Thank you
0: for having
1: me. No worries. Thanks for listening today. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and to share the episodes with your friends and colleagues.